Sometimes it's distracting and hard to wear a lot of hats at one time. And this morning seems to be one of those times. And <clears throat> as I was walking down the aisle, I thought, Lord, my lips are really dry, but I hate to use lip gloss in front of the whole church. <laughs> but it's not so I look good, <laughs> so my lips don't stick together when I'm trying to talk to you. <laughs> but the Lord understands, and he's gracious, and I love him so much. And I'm thankful for the rain. Aren't you thankful for the rain? I certainly am. And my very entertaining go-to weather guy. His, his YouTube channel is called Ryan Hall Y'all. Ryan Hall Y'all says there's a lot more rain coming our way so in the next few weeks. So you might want to get battened down for the more rain. I have a message this morning that's very different and I want to get to it. It's, I hope I don't keep you too long, but um, there's a lot to cover, so I want to get into it this morning. And I'm just asking the Lord to cover this this morning with his anointing. It's the most important thing, the anointing of God upon the message that goes forth. I'm calling this a personal Jesus and I'm sure that you, like me, have heard many times that Jesus meets us where we are, but he doesn't leave us there. This was true of Thomas, the doubter, if you will, in John chapter 20 and verse 25, when the disciples, who'd already seen the risen Savior, assured Thomas that it was Jesus. And Thomas said, Unless I see him and I feel the prince in his hands for myself, I won't believe. And Jesus met him there in his unbelief and his doubt and showed him the scars and said, touch me and see. And Thomas said, oh, my Lord and my God. It was true of Nicodemus in John chapter 3 who came to Jesus by night. And many think this was because he didn't want to be seen by the Jewish leadership having any contact with Jesus. But Jesus met him there in his fear. Because in John 7, Nicodemus was standing before the Sanhedrin court defending the innocence of Jesus. I feel like this is too far away from me. It was also true in Mark chapter 8, where Jesus had been teaching the people, 4,000 of the crowd, for three days, and they had run out of food, and they were getting ready to go back to their homes. And many of them, Jesus said, have a long journey, and I feel compassion for them. So he met them there in their hunger. And he had compassion on them for the journey that they had to make without any food. So he fed them, all 4,000. 
And I could literally go on and on with example after example where Jesus met different ones where they were. Think of Peter, Mary and Martha, Mary Magdalene, and on and on and on. Because Jesus met so many throughout Scripture at the very point of their pain, their unbelief, their chaos, whatever the point their lives were in, he met them there. I want to tell you a true story that I heard this last week from a woman named Penny Whitbrot, W-I-T-T-B-R-O-D-T, if you want to look her up. She had a death or a near-death experience in, in 2015. And while she was not alive on this earth, she had an incredible encounter with the Lord. And just like these other examples that I just gave, he didn't leave her there either. I'm going to leave out a lot of the details that I don't think are really necessary to the story so that I can be as brief as I can in telling this. Penny is a nurse. She's still alive today. She's a nurse. And at the time of this event, she and her two children had literally been abandoned by her husband and the father of her children. And she was struggling so hard to keep things on track for her kids and try to get her life back in some kind of order after the divorce. She lived with a constant fear because she had an anaphylaxis condition. She was severely allergic to shellfish, and she had to carry EpiPens with her everywhere she went. On this particular day in 2015, something triggered the most severe episode she'd ever have. I'm sure you all know what that means. The, the throat swells shut, the airways are blocked, there was no way for her to get air. So you basically suffocate. She didn't have any shellfish. She had no idea what triggered the event, but something did. She was very close to the hospital that she worked at. So she administered one of the EpiPens and she threw her head back to try to open the airway as much as she could to give her as much air to breathe as she could while she drove the couple of minutes to the hospital. But the nurse who greeted her, treated her in the ER, chastised her for coming after she'd already taken the EpiPen. And you all know that the EpiPen is to reverse the immediacy of the uh, terrible allergy attack and try to open the airways. So this nurse who met her in the ER was angry with her for coming, taking up space in the ER when she'd already administered the EpiPen. But the severity of this episode did not stop with the first EpiPen. So the nurse put her in a wheelchair and parked her down a hallway 
far away from the exam rooms and far away from any other staff. And Penny said she literally was stretching her head back so far to try to open up her airway and she reached down and took the second EpiPen because they come in sets of two and she administered the second EpiPen. It too did not work and she was literally gasping for air in the wheelchair in this dark hallway when a doctor walked out of the lounge, which was down the hallway a bit, and heard her gasping for air. She was so deprived of oxygen already that the doctor, while she was wheeling her into the trauma room, called a team to come, a stat team. Right now, this is a true emergency. And she was so deprived of oxygen that she her, her veins collapsed already. Her blood pressure was very, very low, and they had tried and tried to get IVs into her, her arms, and they couldn't. So while they took just amazing uh, medical interventions to try to get help to her, they drilled a hole in her shin bone and injected medication into her bloodstream through the shin bone and hooked up the IV there and pumped her full of medication to try to reverse this episode. And while this was going on, she coded and died. Her spirit left her body, and she became aware that she was in heaven. I'm leaving out a lot of detail here, but hopefully it will piece together. She said, I'd been a believer since I was a girl, but I wasn't the most dedicated of Christians. This is how she put it. And besides, she'd been so distraught by the trauma of the divorce and the things that her kids had gone through that she really hadn't given God much thought at all, except to be angry that he wasn't there to help her and her children. God told her in this encounter that she had with him in heaven that he wanted to show her some very important things. He showed her first a time when shortly after she had gained some footing after the trauma that she had been through, she was in line at the grocery store and there was a woman in front of her who had put essentials in her cart, nothing frivolous, but she didn't have the money to pay for it all. So Penny took the money out of her purse and gave it to the lady. The lady said, oh no, I can't possibly take this. Thank you, but I'll just put these things back. And Penny said, please take it. I've been there. I know what you're going through. Please take it. 
So the lady took it and she checked out with all of her groceries in her cart. And then the Lord showed her that down the road as a result of her caring and her intervention in this woman's life, this lady took a job in a shelter and her job at the shelter was giving food to the poor. She was the one who packed up the groceries every week in the boxes and would hand them out as the people came through to get help. Penny said when the Lord showed her this at that very moment, she had a complete and utter trust and release to the Lord that she could trust him. It was at this time she said that the Lord just reached out and gently touched her and like a bolt of lightning started in her toes and went through her entire body up to her head, a warmth, a healing, a peace, a calmness, and an understanding of things that she had never experienced before. She said it was so glorious that when it got to her eyes, she said, I closed my eyes trying to keep it inside so it wouldn't come out my eyes. She said it was just so beautiful. And she said to God, I'm telling you, God meets us where we are. She said, Lord, I appreciate your love and your kindness and this warmth and this feeling that you've put over me. It's really wonderful. But number one, I've done a lot better things and bigger things to help people in my life than what you showed me. And you didn't say anything about those. And secondly, where were you when my children were going through the toughest time of their life? You weren't there for me. The Lord didn't respond to her anger. He responded to her heart. She had said, Lord, it's one thing for me to have to endure this, but my children were just little. They were babies. They didn't deserve this. And the Lord said, come with me. I want to show you another picture. This picture that she saw was about three years into the future. She was on the soccer field with her little grandson, who at the time this medical tragedy happened was about two years old. But the picture that the Lord showed her was when he was five. And in this scene, her son, the father of this little boy, was sitting in the bleachers with her. And he leaned over to her and he said, Mom, I want you to know that I'm going to be the dad to him that I deserved from my father, but I didn't get it. Penny said, in that moment, I knew the purpose the good that would come from the pain and the suffering 
that my children had to experience and that I experienced through the brokenness because she was raised generation after generation from broken homes, from fatherless and even motherless homes. She had brought, been brought up in that environment. So she knew that the purpose that the Lord had for this pain that she had been through was so that her family could break that cycle. And her, her son said in this event that she saw that the Lord showed her that he would stop it in its tracks because he would be the father to his boy that he had deserved. She gave the testimony that three years later, after she was uh, healed and came back, when this little boy was five, his dad invited her to his soccer game, and she was so excited to go and see her little grandson. And they were sitting in the bleachers, just like she saw that the Lord had showed her. And he reached over to her and he said, Mom, I'm going to be the dad to this little boy that I deserved. And she just threw her hands up and said, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing this to pass through the pain and through the suffering. The third and last thing, Don, if you'd get the little thing uh, geared up. Are you okay if we keep going just a bit longer? The third and last thing that the Lord showed her was this. He said, I want you to look at this. Now remember, she was a practicing nurse in an ER room. And he showed her her own DNA. but a particular portion of the DNA. And that portion of the DNA is called junk DNA. Literally today, I looked this up, it is a real thing, and I'm going to show you a three-minute little clip here about it. As a nurse, she had recently taken a class on DNA and they presented that our DNA is made up of 98% of unknown purposed DNA and 2% that they know its purpose. They know what it does. It makes proteins and other good things for the body and it carries on things through generations. But this 98%, they named it junk DNA because they had no idea what it does. And the Lord said to her, this portion that you call junk is my DNA in you. He said, just like we can make a test and prove who your earthly father is, 
This is my DNA in you, and I am your father, just like your earthly father is. Now, the narrator is uh, uh, East Indian, and she has an extremely strong accent, but there is uh, captioning words under it, so I think you'll be able to follow it. So now you know more about junk DNA than you ever thought you would in your life, right? When the Lord said, see the DNA, do you see me? And she looked again, and she said literally in the DNA that she saw, which is, as you saw, a bunch of squiggly little lines with circles and things in it, there she saw the image of God. She said, I knew without a doubt I belonged to him. Nothing could separate me from him. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he assured her that he had knitted her together and that she did indeed bear his own DNA. She said the sincerity of the love that he showed to her was so to the point that she knew if I never did another good thing for another human being in my life, he still loved me because I'm his. Let it sink in a bit this morning. So when God asked her what she wanted to do, that she could go back and tear down the wall of protection and the wall that she had built of protecting her from the pain and the struggle that she'd been through, and allow him to complete his purpose in her, she said yes. I questioned this story when I heard it, but it's, it is all over the internet. There's, there's one that's an hour and a half long that she's interviewed and scientists asking her what she saw and the, the name about the junk DNA. And when she came back to her, her spirit, came back to her body in the emergency room, it took them quite a while to get her stable and get her breathing back to normal. But when she did, she has never to this day had another episode. All of the other things that she was contending with were gone. Her family, she was able to raise, and they're wonderful people doing good. She's doing wonderful things for the Lord. Maybe you wonder about this story too. Did God really put his DNA in us? In Genesis, God said, let us make man in our image. I'm not going to argue the point whether God put his DNA in me or not, but I know this, I'm made in his image because his word tells us so. On June 26, 2000, President Bill Clinton, in a speech, was congratulating the scientists who had just completed the human genome sequencing and acknowledged DNA as God's creation. 
President Clinton said, today we are learning the language in which God created life. We are gaining ever more awe for the complexity, the beauty, the wonder of God's most divine and sacred gift. He sat down and Dr. Francis Collins, director of the Human Genome Project, followed President Clinton to the podium and he said these words, it is so humbling for me and so awe-inspiring to realize that we have caught the first glimpse of our own instruction book, previously known only to God himself. And what is most amazing about this is that within the tiny space in every cell of your body, said Dr. Collins, this DNA code is three billion letters long. Only the God who created us could come up with something like that. And only the God who created us could reserve the biggest portion for himself to dwell in us. And I am getting close to the end here. In Psalm 139, 13 through 16, you recognize it, Sister Barbara. David said, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet not one of them had happened yet or come to pass. He meets us where we are, broken, messed up, guilty, shameful, or even unmade. He meets us where we are, but he doesn't leave us there. Becky, will you come? We're going to sing a song. Many people this morning have said they want to be used of the Lord. You, this should be the cry of all our hearts. Dear Jesus, use me. Use me. Upon the cross. 
Work that I can do. 
restored and the Lord had met her where she was even at the point of death there was another time that Jesus met us where we were and that's what we celebrate in this Christmas time we couldn't come to him we couldn't go to where he was so he came to us where we were at the point of humanity that we were in, that he was able to bear those pains and those sufferings on our behalf, that he could restore us to health, hope, and eternal life. Aren't you thankful? Will you stand this morning? Jesus, we're just so thankful. God, that you meet us where we are, no matter what, the situation if we cry just a little bit you hear us because your DNA is in us your mark of ownership your mark oh God that we belong to you we never have to doubt that we are yours we're so thankful father I pray this morning that you would just make your face to shine upon each one of us that you would take us from here in peace and that the hope of Christ is so real in our lives that it shines out to those round about us that they may see you too. And we give you all the praise and glory for Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.